0: Al Jazeera podcast. More criminal charges against Donald Trump, this time over the Capitol riots and efforts to overturn the 2020 U.S. presidential election. Despite all the indictments, he remains the front runner to win the Republican nomination. So, what do the new charges mean for his ambitions to return to the White House and for Americans? Hello, I'm Adrian Finnegan. And this is the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help to define major global stories. So let's bring in our guests. From Washington, D.C., we're joined by Adolfo Franco, a Republican Party strategist and former advisor to Senator John McCain. Uh, From Maine, we're joined by Adam Kamenstein, who's a partner at the law firm Adams, Dirk & Kamenstein, which specialises in government investigations, and also in Washington, D.C., Rena Shah, a political strategist and former senior aide to Republican members of Congress. Uh, Good to have you with us. Many thanks indeed. Uh, Let's uh, turn to Adolfo uh, first. Trump's been indicted three times now, has been investigated, as we heard, there on several other fronts. He says Tuesday's indictment is, quote, the latest corrupt chapter to meddle with the 2024 presidential election and part of un-American witch hunts. Let's break that down for a moment, Adolfo. Are the charges against him and the timing of them politically motivated?
1: Absolutely right. The president, President Trump, is absolutely correct, Uh, A couple of things just to begin. First of all, let's talk about the timing, and I'm glad you asked about that question. Every time there has been news, significant news on the Biden Family Corruption Syndicate and Hunter Biden, significant. For example, Devin Adams was a key witness um, this week uh, regarding the the allegations of Biden family corruption every time there's one of these incidents we either have a new indictment or we have a some cases a, an amended indictment to try to take the news cycle um to change away from the Hunter Biden and Biden president Biden uh, uh, corruption allegations away. Uh, from the from the from the headlines in the United States, so the timing is curious. If you look at the timeline, we don't have time in the program. Each one of these cases has been around a major Biden event. I venture to say there's another indictment coming in Fulton County, and it will be timed again when there is a Hunter Biden or President Biden corruption story. That's the first. Secondly, absolutely, this is when weaponization. Um, Every one of these indictments has been brought by either Democrat elected prosecutors, Democrat appointed uh, prosecutors, or the uh, the, uh, the Justice Department, which is controlled by uh, President Biden and Attorney General Aaron Garland, his political appointee. Uh, in the case of Jack Smith, to be clear, he is not an independent counsel; he's a special counsel. So, therefore, his actions, including these, are all cleared by the Justice Department. So, this is something unprecedented <laughs> in American history. But we have we have a a situation where a president a former president is being prosecuted by his political opponent by okay. using the machinery of the government and uh, that should I, be a chilling and concern for every single uh, American all
0: right. Adolfo I know that Adam and Re- and Reena are, are, are itching to to get into this but I just want to put one more point to you will heard. Uh, who is another potential Republican nominee, uh, for those who don't know. He said that Trump is unfit for office, that his presidential bid is an attempt to stay out of prison and scam his supporters into paying his legal bills. As Republicans, he said, we need to prioritise offering solutions to difficult issues affecting all Americans. If we make the upcoming election about Trump, we're giving Joe Biden another four years in the White House. I mean, Trump has nothing new to offer voters, does he?
1: Well, he absolutely does. He has a continuation of his excellent policies for the last, for between 2016 and and, and uh, in 2020. Any American, I would hope every American will be asked, are you better off today, as President Reagan asked, than you were four years ago? And the answer is no. As your reporter indicated earlier uh, about Bidenomics, which is a disaster, and, and the President, president but, but Biden's- hang on, But
0: hang on, aren't, aren't, oh, Americans, aren't Americans at least better off now under Biden than they were when Trump was in office? They're absolutely worse off under President Biden. Anybody who goes to the grocery store or pumps
1: gas or has their real wages reduced in any in any of the uh, analysis that have done, they were better off under, under President Trump. So, absolutely, President Trump is offering uh, a better solution. But Will Heard, by the way, when he made those comments, uh, he was roundly booed. Uh, by Republicans when he made those comments, a person who has absolutely less than one percent approval in the Republican Party. So you're talking and anyone can make a critic. Anyone can try to make a headline. This is not represent the views of the vast majority of the Republicans who continue to grow and support the President Biden President Trump's support continues to grow among Republicans because of this political persecution.
0: Okay, all right, Uh, Rena. um, offer they're echoing what uh, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, McCarthy said about uh, Hunter Biden and, and what Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said about weaponization of, of the federal government. What, what do you make of what you just heard?
2: well what one could argue right now is that this trend towards using uh, our agencies our independent judiciary as sort of um, you know fodder for saying we are being victimized that's what I hear right now when Republicans cry out about the weaponization of the Department of Justice and and look this can be traced back to even listen uh, listening to James Comey uh, and and talking about Hillary Clinton. When we talk about the election right now and where we stand with a thrice-indicted former president, we're in a very unique moment in history. And so I think we have to understand sort of the conditions we're under right now. Uh, We're in the era of grievance politics. We also are in the era of of voters voting against someone instead of for someone. And we saw that in 2016. We saw people vote for Trump as a vote against Hillary Clinton. And now, also, one thing to really consider here is how Trump is doing his campaign this time around. There's been data released just this past week that shows that one in four donors to Trump's campaign is a retiree. And then, also, these small donations are all largely going towards helping with his legal bills. It's only a matter of time until that money sort of runs out and can't help his campaign effort and has to continue helping his legal effort. So these are the conditions under which this uh, candidacy, this very unique candidacy of the former president is, is operating under. And then you've got all these sort of what would be called establishment Republicans, people with long resumes in public service, saying that they're better than him, hoping, looking for that entryway through which they can make the case of the American public that Joe Biden shouldn't get another chance at the White House. Now, I see it this way. We have a very short set of time until we start to see more of the independent voters um, sort of factor in. Right now, in these polls and in much of these audiences that these GOP primary candidates are going to, you're seeing a lot of the most uh, extreme part of the Republican Party show up. You're seeing the most sort of fervent supporter. You're seeing people who um, are going to stick with the standard bearer no matter what. But what's out there and the vote to capture in order to win the White House, not just the GOP primary, is that independently minded suburban voter in a swing state. And a lot of these are women. And a lot of these women are going to have a hard time stomaching many of the decisions happening in Republican led state houses across the country. Abortion okay. is going to factor in far bigger of an issue than President Biden's son, Hunter Biden. So we have to okay. talk about these things in a way uh, in which we understand that these are big issues here
0: Adam um, to do with it you know we were discussing whether these charges against Trump are, are as the Republicans say politically motivated are they or, or is is this just the wheels of American justice in motion where electoral cycles and who might be running for what office at whatever time uh, don't really matter
3: yeah I uh... Thank you for having me. I, I think to suggest that these charges are political is is somewhat preposterous. If you've read these indictments and you're at all familiar with the American justice system, um, you know, Trump famously said when he announced his candidacy or shortly after he announced his candidacy back in 2016 that he could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and get away with it. And I think that's, you know, metaphorically, what we're seeing play out here as a former federal prosecutor that's tried uh, more Uh, criminal cases than I can count. I can tell you that the The indictments here and the evidence alleged is absolutely overwhelming. I wish I had uh, anywhere near this much evidence in the criminal cases that I tried. And that's not just my perspective. That's the perspective on these cases from Republicans that served in his administration. I think it was uh, Attorney General Bill Barr, a Trump appointee who served as his attorney general in the last administration. Upon reading the uh, the indictment in the um, uh, the other case with the uh, the the records, uh, the Espionage Act case called, uh, you know, Trump Toast. Uh, I, I, others have said there's not only a smoking gun here, but a smoking arsenal. It's just an absolutely staggering amount of evidence in both cases, whether it's uh, w- direct witness testimony, uh, his own statements being audio recorded, uh, video surveillance, it goes on and on. So, Look, so Adam, the law wasn't just created. The laws that he's charged with weren't just created Adam, in the past year or two. These laws have been around for a very long time. Adam, and the facts that give rise to these charges were created by Trump. So, yeah, you know, okay. you've got existing laws, criminal laws, and you've got criminal conduct by Trump. You put the two together and that gets you indicted. And that's what's I, gone okay. on here. And the,
0: But but Adam, Adam, how how does the American justice system rise above all of this this political mud-throwing that's going on, and the accusations against it, that it is being politically weaponized?
3: Yeah, I'm sorry, you cut out a little bit, but I think I heard the question. Look, it's incumbent upon the Department of Justice and the prosecutors to proceed apace without regard to the politics of, of the day. Uh, And that's what they're doing. So you're going to have the political partisans make what they want to make uh, about these charges. The Republicans are going to defend Trump and the Democrats are going to use them against Trump. And that's just, you know, that's just the way of the world. What Jack Smith and his team in the Department of Justice have to do is proceed without regard, without fear or favor uh, with respect to Trump's uh, uh, presidential campaign and and just proceed as they would in any other case. Uh, And that's what I believe they're doing.
0: Uh, Adolfo, what, what do you make of, of what you heard just there? These charges are absolutely yeah. not politically motivated.
1: Right. Let me unpack a lot of what both guests said. First of all, Rena, independent judiciary. No one's talking about judiciary. We're talking about prosecutors, uh, and they have discretion. And they're political uh, individuals. The professor should note that every one of these has been either a Democrat appointee or an elected Democrat that's bringing these, these prosecutions. Um, this. Indictment is absolutely ridiculous on its face. It is the January 6th report with some omissions, and I'll tell you the important omissions that were made. It is a you chilling attack the on the Constitution so Does
2: we have an you, independent you, a, judiciary? So it, I
1: don't know why you need to talk it, 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 There's right? a difference between. Uh, Arena, let me finish. Yes. Hang on. There's I, a difference between you, the judiciary you, you and the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you name
2: check me, and you're you're trying to discredit what I said about an independent judiciary. We have an independent judiciary enough. in this country. It's supporters of Trump like you that keep saying, that's a Democrat, that's a Republican, that's
1: a Democrat, I, that's a Republican. I, Why? I, did I, Read did the I, Constitution. Did I interrupt the other guest? Did I interrupt Don't the other guest?
0: Okay, okay, Don't look. name
1: check me. Okay, okay, look. Don't name check. Okay, Adolfo,
2: Make it point. i fact check you. The Let fact me make is, my the Constitution, we have an too, independent judiciary. Uh, uh, Don't this, try to bring your uh, uh, austerity okay, back. Either we, this we person has
1: a monologue we, or I'm allowed to finish We can not We can't, um, we yeah, can't he, all he, talk He, he always
2: of. does this. He always name shacks. Well, checks we cannot have, we cannot have people two people, people with
1: my... Listen, you continue, you continue, you continue, you continue your program without me.
0: Do not fact-check me. Stop, stop,
1: stop.
0: You continue your program without me we can't talk over each other and adolfo has he has gone Ch- okay and he we'll, said- uh, well we'll we okay, just just make your point quickly and we'll go back to adam
2: always brings up people's partisan strikes when he talks about the judiciary. You'll see that that's a trend the Republicans are going towards. But in our Constitution, in our guiding documents, we have an independent judiciary in this country. And you see, this is a reflection of how Americans have lost trust in our institutions. And this is something that happened very rapidly under Trump. It didn't start with Trump, but it's something he has really benefited from. And I think Judge Eileen Cannon in Florida, who had Trump's other case, she wasn't as... as uh, let me put it this way, defamed as hard as this next judge that's going to be assigned this indictment case, the third indictment, because this is now an Obama-appointed judge. So you'll see Republicans bring this up over and over. And it's really hard for the country because we are, again, we have an independent judiciary in this country.
0: Adam, could Trump face jail time if convicted on any of these charges? You're going to have to explain To to those of us who who aren't familiar with the the way that uh, the American uh, justice system works, the way that the political system works, can he still campaign or take office if he's a criminal defendant? Is there a precedent here, or are we in uncharted territory? Uh, What happens if he's convicted but wins, or or wins and is then convicted?
3: Yeah, look, there's nothing in the Constitution that prevents somebody... Uh, under indictment, somebody on trial, or even somebody convicted from running for and holding office in this country. The only thing that would prevent Donald Trump from taking office or remaining in office would be if he was impeached by the Congress. Uh, so, you know, I think Trump's legal strategy here, because he knows and his attorneys know that the evidence is overwhelming. Uh, is So his legal defense strategy is to be elected president and, and uh, um, uh, uh, you know, either either himself or—and pardon himself, excuse me—or, um, you know, hopefully, uh, in his mind, a, a, a Republican that's, um, you know, favorable to him will get elected and, and pardon him like Ford did with Nixon. But his defense strategy at this point is exclusively win the presidency and pardon himself, because, barring that— in all likelihood, he would be convicted based on the evidence in these cases.
0: Okay, and if he is convicted, all of all of the the, the charges that he faces, he could face prison time, but but he could also just be fined instead of I any. Mean, but but how would you put a former president in prison?
3: Look, you know, no one's above the law. That's you know one of the bedrock principles in this country. Uh, you, you hear a lot about these charges, and they talk about statutory maximum prison terms. Those are kind of, you know, do not exceed numbers in reality. Um, They're not really how how sentences are fashioned. Sentences are fashioned by what are called the United States Sentencing Guidelines. They kind of inform the judge of of the appropriate sentence based on a whole host of factors about the the case and the defendant's background. And then on top of that, the judges have a, a pretty broad degree of discretion in fashioning an appropriate sentence they can't exceed what the statutory maximum sentences are under the under the uh the, the criminal laws that the that the defendant's convicted of and in this case you know they're consecutive and and when you add them up you know you're talking you know tens of decades of years but again that's not how the defendant's sentence it's going to be under the guidelines and the discretion of the judge but when you look at the cases here the crimes that he's charged with and the conduct that he's uh, alleged to have committed in all likelihood, if he is convicted of either of these two cases, he will be sentenced to some term of imprisonment. Uh, that's, you know, it would be extraordinary if he wasn't, and it would probably be very appealable by the government if, uh, if he wasn't sentenced to a term of imprisonment. How has he done it? How, how, do, how do you sentence a former president to prison to answer your question? Just like you sentence any other defendant.
0: Rina, you heard us talking to our White House correspondent uh, way back at the beginning of the programme, and she was making the point that you have your diehard Republicans, you have your, 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 your died-in-the-wool uh, Democrats, but it is uh, the moderate and independent voters who are, are going to decide the next presidential election. I mean, if it is a Trump-Biden rematch, they're not faced with much of a choice, are they? I mean, what are they going to do?
2: Well, we like to think we have a multi-party system here, but, truly, we have a two-party system. And so people do choose the major party when it comes time to elect a president. And they get behind it. But more and more Americans are feeling like these parties don't represent them. Look at our congressional approval ratings. They continue to go down year after year. We even feel like our elected representatives sitting in Congress don't represent us. So partisan stripes aside, uh, a Biden-Trump rematch really signals one thing for the country, is that we are in truly uncharted territory. to have serving in the White House, when the retirement age from coast to coast in the country is anywhere between 61 to 67, is just, I I believe, nonsensical. Uh, I'm an advocate of term limits, but, again, I'm also a really big believer in in following the Constitution. I don't believe in abolishing the Electoral College. I believe our founding fathers didn't think we would have leaders this old, but it's where we are. So, it's incumbent upon the parties to do better. And I see the RNC uh, doing something unique this time. chair, Ronna McDaniel, has introduced a pledge. She's introduced criteria um, in, in the form of money or polls. And, and certain polls, you have to pull at a certain percent. She doesn't want these vanity candidacies to become uh, really part and parcel with how we do politics, particularly from the Republican side today. So I think that's quite unique. On the Democratic side, you see Biden's the guy, but who's one heartbeat away from the presidency, and that's Kamala Harris. She still has record high levels of disapproval. There are many Americans who are very nervous about a Harris presidency. Again, a heartbeat away. So I think what we'll see leading up to next year, if Biden and Trump are on the ballot, you will see Americans vote against one or the other.
0: Adam, we, we thought that, uh, that January 6th was uh, was uh, an incredibly dangerous moment uh, for the, the U.S. Things... Don't seem to have got much, much better since then, even though they are a little calmer. How dangerous a moment is this for U.S. democracy, do you think?
3: I think it's a very dangerous moment. We're living in, in, you know, very dangerous times today. And in particular, uh, you know, given the kind of reactionary tribalism on on both sides. but, But, you know, you see this with Trump supporters as you know his core based day after day. It's like facts just don't get through, right? There is a point of view about what is going on in this country and about this indictment that is it's just immutable. Um and if Trump is convicted and if they believe you know, those, if they're not persuaded by evidence that is presented at a trial, and it, it doesn't look like anything would persuade them. And if, he, so if he's convicted, then you're going to have a lot of angry people. And, you know, a good chunk of these people have already shown a proclivity towards violence. So I think that, uh, you know, following a, a, a conviction, we are very likely to see at least attempts at violence. And if our government isn't prepared for it and if the, if the, if the media inflames it and, and uh, the, you know, with the Internet today and, and, and what can be, uh, you know, broadcast on that and the ability to, uh, to assemble and, and, and all those things, it just creates a a very combustible situation so it you know okay. i think it's a i think it
0: be a frightening time rena we've got about a minute left to do, your thoughts on that
2: You know, I I think we are in an era of political violence feeling like it's the norm. But I think after January 6, 2021, uh, at least our federal-level leaders have, have taken it very seriously. We know political extremism is on the rise, but there are ways to counter it. And I think also in the state houses, you see people taking it very seriously. There's so much misinformation, disinformation. It's going to get ramped up as we get towards general election day 2024. But I do see there are some really bright spots here for American democracy and a form president, who is now a private citizen, by, by virtue of our doc, our guiding document, the Constitution, he is being held accountable under the full weight of the law. And again, he's not been found guilty, but an indictment is an accusatory document. So let's see where this goes. But I do think it is an important day. Yesterday was a very historic and important day for democracy, because it shows uh, that with justice, justice, accountability has to come hand in hand.
0: My thanks to both Rina Shah and Adam Kamenstein. Uh, for being part of the programme today. My thanks also to Adolfo Franco, who uh, who left us uh, halfway through. This episode was produced by Dermot Fleming, Abla Klaas, Sarah Hayrat and Jim Gilchrist. Studio sound was by Alvaro Galan, Madrid, and the programme was edited by Khaled Sultan and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. And thanks for listening. Tune in again on Thursday for our next edition.
3: This week on The Take, should we mine the Pacific Ocean to meet the growing demand for electric cars? That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.